against term limits and the founding fathers did not implore term limits for the system they put in just like today is to get out and vote if the person is doing well by the people he or she should remain in place until the next election again these are my opinion or my opinions But if they begin to falter, then they should be voted out. It's as simple as that. Term limits are put in place to either curb the laziness of the population. But what it really says is that the people are not trusted to vote to vote out a candidate that's past their prime or undesirable. So, no, I wholeheartedly do not agree and will not adhere to this misguided subject of term limits. Excuse me. Think of it this way. For those who voted for President Obama and still wished he were in office, if term limits were not in place, he most likely would still be president today. What is the biggest drawback to term limits in that it limits those who can do great for the country? Fantline will be back after this message. Okay, we're back with Fantline on the subject of term limits, pros and cons. And I want to take a slight turn somewhat behind the scenes. And I want to give a um, another perspective and n- not just my own opinion about it. But I just want to throw some numbers at you and, like I said, give you a behind the scenes look about what's going on with term limits. Now, with an average district size now exceeding 600,000, and growing by over 
150000 per decade, a huge amount of money must be raised to pay for the mass marketing and other expenses required to wage a political campaign. This need for funding, combined with the representative's relatively short two-term necessities year-round fundraising and campaigning, with their fundraising machine established, once someone becomes entrenched in the in the house, excuse me, once someone becomes entrenched in the house, it is nearly impossible to unseat them. Especially with their position fortified by the patronage system and many other incumbent advantages. This is why over ninety percent of the house incumbents who run for re election succeed. And this is how we end up with the Imperial House of Representatives. At one time, our representatives were thought of as public servants. Is this how we think of them today? Or do they appear to be political barons who are more interested in personal gain than serving their constituency? Do we feel that our vote really makes a difference? Or that the office holder is too frequently determined by the backing of special interests? Do we have faith in our representatives, conduct, business? Do we have, excuse me, do we have faith in our representatives' conduct, business, or do we think that the legislative process is seriously compromised by corrupting influences? It is difficult, if not impossible, to determine the validity of these apprehensions, nor is it constructive to either fuel or minimize them. The essential point is that if these perceptions are widely held, it creates a malignant rot in our society that can only be reversed by drastically reducing the opportunity for the underlying iniquities to occur. The Constitution provides senators with a six-year term and the president with a four-year term. So why are House representatives terms only two years in length? The reason is simple. Representatives were expected to campaign in districts containing approximately 30,000 people, not 600 to 800,000. An office seeker in an approximately sized district need not raise millions of dollars. In fact, they may be able to campaign door to door. However, with average dis district sizes now exceeding 600,000, the candidate must engage in continuous fundraising and campaigning. This not only distracts the representatives from their primary duties, but also makes them vulnerable to the appearance, if not actuality of being corrupted by an endless and unseemly fundraising process. The inevitable result of this process is to create political franchises that have converted house districts into virtual firedoms. For incumbents, taking a house district a seat away from an incumbent rarely occurs 
as it is a very risky business proposition relative to the substantial investment required. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> During the time of the ratification debates, one of the concerns frequently frequently raised in connection with the small house was the in increased risk of corruption. Melacton Smith, a delegate to the New York Convention, warned that in so small a number of representatives, there is great danger from corruption and combination. A great politician has said that every man has his price. I hope this is not true in all its extent, but I asked the gentleman to inform me what government there is in which it has not been practiced. Many in the House are no less perfect than the general public, but they encounter many corrupting influences than the rest of us. The reality combined with their continuous need for a substantial amount of donated funds puts these men and women in a highly vulnerable position. Many of us in the public are highly skeptical about the honor and integrity of our elected representatives. Of course, news accounts focus on the misdeeds of elected officials and far too often with a partisan or ideological bias. Many good deeds and accomplishments by our congressmen and women go unnoticed. Consequently, it is likely that the reality is much better than we imagine and that many good and honorable people are being unfairly tainted. The fundamental problem is that these negative perceptions create a cynical climate that causes people to lose faith in our public institutions. In a sense, the, sim the symptom may be worse than the disease because a loss of public faith in our governmental institutions is an insidious cancer in a body politic. Consequences range from reduced voter participation to discouraging honorable people from pursuing public office for fear of risking their reputations. <clears throat> this is why it is essential that every reasonable measure be taken to reduce the likelihood of corruption and assure the public that corruption in the house is not prevalent. And this takes us back to back to um, Smith's sequacious warning. His point was that the smaller the number of assemblymen, the easier it would be for special interests to exert a inappropriate influence. That is, imagine how much more difficult it would be to acquire influence among a few thousand congressmen rather than among a few hundred. And the fewer the number of representatives, the easier it is for malignant influences to operate in secret. Fantline will be back in a few. All right, back with Fantline. And I'll close this out with the debate over term limits.
The idea of imposing term limits for Congress or a mandatory restriction on how long members of the House and Senate can serve in office has been debated by the public for centuries. There are pros and cons and strong opinions on both sides of the issue. Perhaps a surprise given the electorate's less than flattering opinion of their representatives in modern history. Here are some questions and answers about term limits and the ongoing debate surrounding the idea as well as a look at the pros and cons of term limits for Congress. So, are there term limits for Congress now? Well, no. Members of the House of Representatives are elected for two years at a time and can serve as unlimited, serve an unlimited number of terms. Members of the Senate are elected for six years and can also serve as an unlimited number of terms. What are the, what are the, what's the, excuse me, what's the longest anyone has served? Well, the longest anyone ever served in the Senate was 51 years, five months, and 26 days, which is a record held by the late Robert C. Byrd. The Democrat from West Virginia was in office from January 3rd, 1959 through June 28, 2010. The longest anyone ever served in the House is 59 years, a record held by U.S. Representative John Dingell Jr. The Democrat from Michigan was in office from 1955 to 2015. So are there term limits for the president? Presidents are restricted to only two four-year terms. In the White House, under the uh, Second Amendment to the Constitution, which reads in part, no person shall be elected to office of the president more than twice. Now, of course, this came into effect after the uh, death of um, President Roosevelt, who served four terms, which is a record. So has there been attempts to impose term limits on Congress? There have been numerous attempts by some lawmakers to pass statutory term limits, but all of those proposals have been unsuccessful. Perhaps the most famous attempt at passing term limits came during the so-called Republican Revolution when the GOP took control of Congress in the 1994 midterm elections. Term limits were a tenet of the Republican contract with America. The contract called for a removal of career politicians through a a first ever vote on term limits as part of the Citizen Legislature Act. Term limits never came to fruition. And what about the Congressional Reform Act? The Congressional Reform Act does not exist. It's a a fiction passed off in email chains as a legitimate piece of legislation that would limit members of Congress to 12 years of service, either to six-year Senate terms or to two-year, six two-year House terms. 
and what are the arguments in favor of term limits? Proponents of term limits argue that restrict, restricting the service of lawmakers prevents politicians from amassing too much power in Washington and becoming too alienated from their constituents. The thinking is that many lawmakers view the work as a career and not a temporary assignment and therefore spend much of their time posturing and raising money for their re-election campaigns and running for office instead of focusing on the important issue of the day. Those who favor term limits say they would remove the, in, the intense focus on politics and place it back on policy. So what are the arguments against term limits? The most common argument against term limits goes something like this. <clears throat> we already have term limits. They're called elections. And, and that right there is, is my saying also. We have elections. The primary, the primary case against term limits is that indeed our elected officials in the, in the House and Senate must face their constituents every two years or every six years and get their approval. Imposing term limits, opponents argue, would remove the power from voters in favor of an arbitrary law. For example, a popular lawmaker seen by her constituents as being effective and influential would want to reelect her to Congress, but could be barred from doing so by a term limit law. And there you have it. <clears throat> now, I gave my opinion. I gave the the pros and cons of it. And even and even myself listening to the other side of that, the cons, or more or less, the pros of it. I still say. I still say the best way is through elections. Therefore, we as a people have to get off our butts, get out and vote, be, be, um, be educated on the, on the candidates, be a Christian. How, how, do they, how do they fare up? How do they match up as far as the Christian ideals and beliefs? And what Jesus taught us. How does that candidate match up with that? This is the way we must elect our officials. Not to be caught up in emotions and not to be caught up in, oh, that person made a great speech. Not to be caught up in promises. But to be caught up in the character of the person, the character that is in relation to Jesus' character. And for those who are not Christian, vote for that person who fits your ideas, fits your goals. You see, in that way, I'm being fair across the board. 
Vote for that person who, again, fits your qualities. Now, you may believe in someone else or something else. Go forward in that aspect. But like I say, you vote, you get out and vote for someone. Be it two candidates, you vote for the person who vet, who best fits your ideals, who best fits the Christian aspect. But it would be a travesty not to go out and vote at all. It would be wrong for that person to get up and say this or that against whoever the president may be and have not voted. Many people have died in the process when it came to voting, especially black people. Many people have gone through a lot of struggle and pain just to get to this point. And there's still a lot of struggle and pain moving forward with voter corruption and with so many other issues impeding the process. So what I say to you, I say to myself, this is Fantline with Marvin Fant. Enough said. <laughs>